The, the message that I'm going to try to give this morning, and I'm very nervous being up here, I'm much more comfortable in front of kids um, because they will tell me exactly what they think. Um, I don't have to worry about it. Grandma Marie told me today when I told her I was nervous about doing this, she said, it doesn't matter. Even if you do terrible, we won't tell you. Um, <laughs> so um, just pray for me this morning. We are going to talk about the battle on the edge. So I felt like this was fitting for Memorial Day, but it also fits with what we've been doing in Kids Church. So I want to do kind of a combination of the two and give you a little sneak peek into what we talk about um, in Kids Church as well. We're going to start with Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you and praise you for your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you just anoint it, Lord. Anoint my lips. Hide me behind your cross, Lord, and help me to deliver this message the way that you would have me to deliver it. I pray, Lord, that you prepare our hearts, our minds to receive the word that you have for us this morning. We thank you for your many blessings and all that you have done. We thank you for the the soldiers, the military, the reason we celebrate this day, that they gave that sacrifice for us and help us to remember and not take lightly what they have done to protect our freedom, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would just touch this service. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about the edge. And if you look at that picture, I'm a little scared of heights. So being on that edge, my heart would be pounding 90 miles an hour standing on the edge of that cliff. But if we look at an edge, the edge is a point near the beginning or the end, the brink or the verge. It's the threshold of danger or ruin. Or it could be a favorable margin, an advantage. You have an edge on the competition. Or it could be a way that you feel. You could feel on edge and be anxious or nervous. Some other ways the word edge is used, you can have the cutting edge, In a a particular topic, you can have the advanced developments on a particular subject. You might be on the edge of your seat, very interested and eager to know what happens next, especially maybe in a movie or a game or a book. Maybe it's to take the edge off something or ease the intensity of something, to be rough around the edges or having imperfections. Some people enjoy living on the edge, They enjoy skydiving or bungee jumping or other extreme sports and activities. They enjoy the adrenaline rush of that or the excitement. The bare fence rock scramble is about the extent of my risk-taking. I feel like I'm on that edge a little bit sometimes, and even that's too much for Pastor Greg. He gets very nervous when we do it. The first time we went, he wouldn't even let us walk all the way across. We had to turn around and come back because it made him too nervous. So Aaliyah and I did it last Saturday while he was gone, and we get about halfway through, and she says, I can't believe Dad's okay with us doing this. I said, he doesn't know yet. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I told him as soon as we talked, but he didn't know at the time because I knew he would be all worried. Some people live purposely on that edge, and other people are on the edge because of circumstances that are beyond their control. Maybe they're living on the edge in their job or their finances or their family or their marriage. You may feel like these things are just on the edge of falling apart, and you feel like you might just helplessly fall over the edge at any moment. When we're on the edge, our choices make the difference. They make the difference on whether we sink or whether we swim, whether we fly or whether we fall. In kids' churches for the past eight weeks, and we're finishing it up today, Ashlyn's going to teach for me today. I'm very thankful for the team I'm in Kids Church and the ministry team that helps out. But we're finishing up an eight-week series called The Battle Zone. And we've had so much fun. We've had the battle of the cotton balls. You'll have to ask one of the kids. We are seeing who can win with the girls and the boys. So any of the games we play, and we're not going to play any games today in here, sorry. Um, but we, we see who could win the most. They're, the best time they had was the week that we blew bubbles and they got a cotton ball for every bubble they could blow. Now, I'm not sure if it was fun because they liked chewing the gum and blowing the bubbles, or they thought they were going to get me in trouble with Pastor Greg for giving them gum on the new carpet. I think they had, I think it was a little bit of both. We've been cup stacking and ring tossing to see who was going to win the battle of the cotton balls. And I still need to count up those cotton balls to see who won, the boys or the girls. But Malachi told me he needed to supervise me to make sure I didn't cheat um, when I counted them. But we've had a lot of fun with that, but we've also learned a lot about how God expects us to fight those battles. And when we're on the edge, that's when we're going to fight those battles. And most of those battles aren't physical battles. I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of physical battles in my life. I get along pretty well with people. I don't have too many physical battles with people. Most of the battles I face are here, are spiritual are mental, are in my mind that I'm fighting. And in Kids Church, we've been learning about what we can do when we're on the edge of the battle, or maybe we're in the battle and we are, we are on the edge. Most of the times in our lives, we'll find ourselves perched on the edge of something, the edge of battle, the edge of victory, the edge of despair, the edge of freedom. We'll be on that edge before we can walk into it. So what are you going to do on that edge? It's not a place we can camp forever. And I kept finding pictures, and Amy, I was not going to send Amy one more picture to put in there for me. But there's pictures, if you look on Google, of people actually camping over the edge, like hanging over that cliff, camping. I don't think we're meant to camp on the edge. I'm not going to do that. I would not fall asleep in that tent, hanging over the edge of that cliff. But I don't think God expects us to camp on the edge. Eventually, we've got to walk into it. And our choices help us decide what we're going to walk into. Are we going to go forward to victory? Are we going to go backward to defeat? Are we going to go forward to freedom or backward to despair? That edge is a transition. And sometimes we try to camp on that edge because we're afraid of falling into absolute despair. We're afraid of falling into absolute defeat. But when we're on the edge... We also can't fully experience victory or freedom. God tells us in John 16, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, 
but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That trouble that pushes us to the edge will happen, but God promises that we'll have peace and victory in him. But we've got to make some choices first. So these eight things that we're going to go over next are what you got to know in kids' church. I'm not going to do Disco Dave. He does it for the kids. I'm not going to do Disco Dave for you. But these are the eight things that we need to do before we go into battle. We're on the edge in that battle. And the first one is, if I take a risk, God will bring the victory. So this week, we, in that week in Kids Church, we talked about the story of David and Goliath. And both, all of you are probably pretty familiar with that story. David goes to bring his brothers some food and to just check on their well-being. His dad said, go check on your brothers. Take them this food and see how they're going. And when David walks into the camp, what does he see? He sees the Israelites camped on one side and he sees the Philistines camped on the other with a big valley in between. And he sees a giant come out every day. And that, that particular day, he came out and he looked at the, the Israelites and he said, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And this is what the Israelites would hear day after day after day. And they would be dismayed and terrified. And not even Saul had the courage to go out and fight this giant. David couldn't believe it. Here he is, a boy of about 14 years old. And he sees all these grown men cowering in fear for Goliath, threatening them day after day and blaspheming God. And David knew. David had been in enough situations where he knew that God would protect him. He was with him when he fought a lion and a bear and protected his sheep. And even though none of those grown men believed David was capable of fighting Goliath and living to tell about it, God, he knew that God would be with him. So he, he tells Saul he doesn't need his armor. He picks up his five smooth stones and his slingshot, and he stands up to Goliath, and he says, You come with me. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all into our hands. Sometimes, just like David, our assignment seems a little too big for us. But without a risk, there cannot be a victory. If David had not taken that risk, he wouldn't have been victorious over Goliath. Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Without a risk, there cannot be a victory. We have to be willing to step out in faith and take that risk. 
The second point, when I am in a battle, I will worship the Lord. And this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, one of my favorite illustrations. In this, we talked about King Jehoshaphat, and the kids just love saying King Jehoshaphat. I won't tell you some of the other ways they said King Jehoshaphat, but it was fun hearing them say that. But this is one of my favorite Bible illustrations. So if you remember in this story, they came to King Jehoshaphat and said, there's a vast army coming against you. And not just one army, not two armies, but there are three armies coming against you. That would seem completely overwhelming, would it not? It would be bad enough if there was one army coming against you. But three armies coming against them had to feel very overwhelming. They were significantly outnumbered, and by human standards, they were facing an impossible situation. They didn't know how, but they knew that God would take care of them. King Jehoshaphat called for the people to pray and fast. And he said to the people and to the Lord in front of all the people, he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Again, King Jehoshaphat saying, I don't know how you're going to do it, God. I don't know how this thing's going to turn out, but regardless, we're going to worship you. We're going to trust you in this battle. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel, and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerul. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Do you see a a theme between these two stories? The battle's not ours. God tells us what to do in the battle, but the battle's not ours. The battle is God's. So based on that, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out ahead of the army and said, singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, those enemy armies began to fight against each other until they completely destroyed each other. And when the men of Judah arrived, there was not one enemy alive left for them to fight. They didn't know how, but they knew God would take care of them. How we react in the face of a seemingly impossible situation speaks of the faith that we have in him. It speaks of the choice that we've decided to make. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like having faith. My head doesn't always understand the situation. My head doesn't always think that faith is, makes sense. Sometimes it feels a little foolish to have faith. 
I mean, what do you think the other people thought when they're going to face three armies and they're going out just sinking away, going up to those three armies? It must have looked pretty foolish, but they had faith that God was going to take care of them. When we face those seemingly impossible situations, we have to choose to remember God's power, to know that God has more power than any enemy that we're going to face. He has more power than any situation we're ever going to face. He has power over sickness, power over temptation, power over sadness. And not only should we remember God's power, but we have to remember God's promises. If I'm sick, God promises to heal me. If I'm lonely, God promises to never leave me. If I'm weak, God promises to be my strength. If I'm sad, God promises to turn my ashes to joy. We can stand on his power and his promises, worshiping him before we even see the victory. The victory will happen while we are worshiping. Number three, I can shout for victory if I don't give up. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap If we do not lose heart. And this week we talked about the walls of Jericho. Joshua and his men were going to the promised land. They weren't there yet. They came against the walls of Jericho. And they knew that God had told them that that this was part of the land that they were going to give them. But Jericho was shut up tight. The walls were thick. It looked like there was no way in. And even though the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. You're going to march around the city. And again, how foolish did this sound? March around the city for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to blow your trumpets and the walls are just going to fall down. Must have seemed pretty foolish. The enemy would love for us to feel like, that's so foolish. I'm not going to do that. Or for us to become discouraged or depressed or despondent. Maybe after the third time around, we're like, this is pointless. This is so silly. Why should I even keep going? He would love for us to quit. Wonder what they thought after the third time, the fourth time, the sixth time. They were doing what they had been told to do. But do you think they may have gotten a little discouraged? Do you ever get discouraged when you feel like time after time you've done the right thing? You've prayed for that child that's still wayward, that situation that just doesn't seem to change, that financial situation or that family situation, and it just doesn't seem to change. And it doesn't matter how much you keep doing the right thing, how much you keep praying, it just seems like nothing is ever going to change. But we can't give up. We're not going to be able to shout for victory if we give up. The only way we're going to be able to shout for victory is if we keep going until the very end. We can't give up. That next time around the walls may just very well be the time that we see our victory. That next prayer that we pray might be the time we see that child come to the Lord. That next time we pray might be the time that we see that situation Resolved. It's not in our timing, it's in God's timing, but we're never going to be able to shout for victory if we give up. Number four, when I'm under attack, God's got my back. 
Exodus 14, 14 is the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. How many of you, it's just easy for you to stay calm when you're under attack? When somebody's coming at you, it's just human nature for you just to stand there and be calm. Not for me. I may look calm on the outside, but on the inside, I'm just like, like, oh, ready to explode. But we have to remember that God has our back. This, was, this week, we talked about the parting of the Red Sea. And Moses had freed the children from Israel, from Egypt. He had talked the Pharaoh into letting them go. And they were traveling, and Pharaoh had changed his mind. And the Israelites got to the Red Sea, and they look in front of them, and they see this massive Red Sea. They look behind them, and they see the armies of the Egyptians coming towards them. I think it was probably a little hard for them to stay calm, don't you? They were starting to panic a little bit, and they started to complain to Moses. They said, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why did you even bring us out of Egypt? We would have been better off just to stay as slaves to the Egyptians. And here's Moses' response. He said, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. How hard is it to hold our peace sometimes? We want to make that point. We want to get that last word in. We don't want to sit and wait and let God fight the battle for us. And God told Moses to lift up his rod and stretch his hand over the sea. And the sea divided and they walked across on dry land. Do you sometimes feel stuck in the middle of the Bible? In the middle of the battle? I think they probably felt stuck. There was no way forward. There was no way back. You aren't on the edge of the battle anymore. You're smack dab in the middle of it. But you're on the edge, ready to fall into complete despair. The Israelites must have felt hopeless and just stuck between the Red Sea in front of them and the Egyptian army behind them. There may seem to be no way out, but nothing is impossible with God. Just like Exodus 14, 14 said, the Lord himself will fight for you. Remember, the battle's not ours, the battle is God's. Just stay calm. When I'm surrounded, when I'm under attack, God has my back, even if I don't see a way out. Just like he told the Israelites, we can stay calm, because we know the attacks are going to come. They're going to come. But we can also know that God will win the fight for us. We should look at those battles. Again, a lot of it is our choice, how we choose to look at something. We can choose to look at it as something that's complete. We can can play the victim. Oh, these battles keep coming at me, coming at me, coming at me. Or we can choose to see those battles as a way for God to show his power and to show others that nothing is impossible with God. Don't change your mind and go back to Egypt. Keep moving forward to the promised land. The next one, number five, my enemy is big, but my God is bigger. 
Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41, 10. This was the two spies. So Moses had sent the spies to to stake out the land to see what was going on. Well, 10 of the spies came back and said, oh, it's a beautiful land. It's flowing with milk and honey. The fruit is huge. It took multiple ones of us to carry the fruit out. But the people who dwell in that land are strong. The cities are fortified. We look like grasshoppers to them. There's no way that we can fight. But Moses, but Joshua and Caleb, what did they say? They said, we can do it. God is with us. God has promised us we are able to do this with God. Sometimes it's all about our perspective. So in this next picture, if you look at this, how many of you would do that? Quincy would. <laughs> he probably would. But sometimes it's all about our perspective. What were the two spy, the 10 spies doing? They were looking at how big the situation was, how impossible the situation was. But Caleb and Joshua were looking at how big their God is. Now let me show you this next picture. This is what the cliff really looks like. If you Google fake cliff in Brazil, this is what you'll see. So all these people go out and do all these selfies on this cliff and it looks like they're hanging over and going to fall and they're really just a couple of feet off the ground. It's all about your perspective. It's all about where you're looking at. With the spies, it was all about their perspective. Whether they chose to look at how overwhelmingly strong and big the people were and the cities were, or if they chose to look at how big their God was. My enemy is big, but my God is bigger. Number six. If I wait on the Lord, I will find new strength. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This lesson was about Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and sold. He was falsely accused and he was thrown into prison. And then he was forgotten about. There was a butler in prison who he interpreted his dream, and he told this butler, speak to Pharaoh on my behalf when you get out. He had already been falsely imprisoned, already been betrayed by his brothers. The, the butler, the cupbearer, gets out of prison and forgets all about him. For two long years, he forgot all about him. And it came to pass at the end of those two years that Pharaoh had a dream, that really troubled him. And he called all the wise men and all the mag- magicians in Egypt to try to interpret his dream, and none of them could do it. And that's when the cupbearer remembered Joseph. And he had Joseph come out, and he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and, and they put Joseph in charge of preparing for the famine that was coming. But, but he had been forgotten about betrayed, in prison for two years. Joseph's situation was unfair. He had been sold to the Egyptians and thrown into the prison unjustly. 
I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Waiting is hard. I feel like I spend half my life waiting on my husband or waiting on my kids. I hate to wait. And think about waiting after you'd been portrayed and you feel wrongly imprisoned and then forgotten about. Like, how hard would that be to keep a good attitude, to keep your trust and faith in God? But Joseph did. And when we're waiting on God, that doesn't mean that we sit around and do nothing. It means that we should slow down and we should get into his presence. We should take that slower pace of time and spend more time in his presence while we're waiting and renew our strength with the peace of knowing that he's working behind the scenes for what's coming next. He's preparing us. He's strengthening strengthening us. Sometimes we're not ready for that next thing that's going to happen. We need to get some more strength. We need to learn some more so that we can handle that next situation that comes our way better. He knows that our faith needs to increase before we can handle that next situation. It's kind of like this iPad. If, it doesn't, if it's not charged, it's not really very useful to me, is it? We're the same way. If we're dead, if we're empty, if we're not full, if we're not recharged and we don't have strength, we're not very useful to God. Sometimes we have to wait. We have to get into his presence. We need to be restored. And once our usefulness is restored, then we're ready for that next situation. We're ready to do the next thing that he has for us. That's why we need to wait on the Lord so we can renew our strength, so we can mount up like eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. He knows we need to wait on him so that we can find new strength. Number seven, God will encourage me before the fight. So we're going to talk about Joshua again. And Moses has just died. And how would you like to follow in Moses' footsteps? Raise your hand if you would like to be the one that follows right after Moses. The example it used in our lesson is, how would you like to be the painter that had to paint the Sistine Chapel right after Michelangelo? Would you want to follow in those footsteps? No, but God encourages us, and he spoke directly to Joshua and encouraged him. He gave him a pep talk. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses." No man will able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for this people you shall divide as an inheritance to the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes we just need a pep talk, don't we? Sometimes we just need somebody to encourage us. And who better to give this pep talk than God himself? Joshua had some big shoes to fill. This was the same Moses who had parted the Red Sea so that the Israelites could cross 
It was the same Moses who had hit the rock, causing water to spring forth for them to drink. It was the same Moses who had met with God and received the Ten Commandments. Joshua must have known that there was no way he could follow Moses. How many times do we feel that we just can't do what God is calling us to do? But God promises us just as he did Joshua, be strong and be discouraged. For the, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When I say I'm not good enough, God says I will provide for you. When I say I'm not strong enough, God says I will protect you. When I say I can't do this, God says I will be with you. And he is with us. That's Those same promises are for us. Now, for the kids who are in here who are going to Kids Church at 11, don't give it away. I'm getting ready to tell you what your lesson is today. Number eight, ain't no weapon going to keep me down. Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon turned against you will succeed. This story is about David and his army when they returned to Ziglag and they found, at, found that all the Amalekites had raided their whole city, burned it down, taken all their possessions, all their children, all their wives, and there was absolutely nothing left. They were sad. This was the part of the battle where they just felt like they were too sad to go on. They were too sad to fight. David and the people lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. They were very sad. And verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But listen to what David did. And we heard where he wept until he had no more power to weep. But then look what he did. It says, But David strengthened himself in the Lord. He didn't stay in his pity. He didn't stay there. He didn't camp out in his pity. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And he went to the Lord and said, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recovered all. So David pursued him with his men and recovered everything that had been lost and more. Have you ever been going along in life and just having a great time and you feel like everything is just going well? Maybe you just got a great new job. Maybe your kids are doing great and everything's just falling into place. Everything, you, you just, it's all just great. Your house is clean. That's a good day for me when my house is clean. And then all of a sudden, something happens, and the air is just let out. And you feel completely deflated, completely defeated. You feel overwhelmed. The air is just knocked right out of you. It's easy to become so overwhelmed and so discouraged and so depressed that you just don't know what to do next. Just like David and his men felt. And it's a scary feeling. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. 
But we're, we're, we can be just like David, be, being obedient and living for God, and something happens out of our control that we just, we didn't see it coming, and there's nothing we can do about it. Sometimes it's easy to blame ourselves. We think we're the reason it's happening. But just like David, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord and not give in to depression and despondency. We need to not give in and have a pity party. Remember when we talked about camping out on the side of that cliff? Sometimes we camp out in our pity. Oh, look at how this is, affects me. Oh, look at how... We, we get so self-centered and we think that everything is just all about us. The battle's all about us. It's not. The battle is God's. Things happen. God can bring glory through those things that happen. So what did David do? He countered those bad things that happened to him with worship. Think about the book of Psalms. He wrote that almost that whole book countering the things that come against him. Some within his control, some were consequences of his sin, but a lot of it wasn't. It was just things that had happened. But he worshiped God no matter what. Worshiping God no matter what will ensure that we are not too sad to fight, but that we will lift our eyes towards God and the battle will be ours. I want to go back and close as the praise team is coming with Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we don't wrestle, we don't fight with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Do you ever feel like you're on the edge of a battle? getting ready to begin or smack dab in the middle of that battle and feel like you're on the edge of despair and on the edge of falling apart. Either way, God wants you to trust in him. If you take the risk, God will bring the victory. If we need to worship him in the midst of the battle, we can shout for victory if we don't give up. If we're under attack, we need to remember that God has our back. Remember that God is bigger than my enemy, that I'll find strength while I wait on the Lord, that God is our encouragement and no weapon formed against us will win. Choose your perspective. Choose how you fight the battle. Swim instead of sink. Fly instead of fall. Let God take you from the edge and plant your feet securely in freedom and victory. He is our hope.